You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. There are several books that I'm using. Of course, the B-I-B-L-E, that's a book for me, right? I stand alone in the book, Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Uh, another book by a guy you may or may not like, his name is T.D. Jakes. It's called Before You Do, Making Great Decisions That You Won't Regret. Hmm. Some of you are going, where was this book when I was making decisions? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, in this book, he says, uh, before you take the first step, reflect and discern. Before you blame, accept responsibility. Before you leave the junk in your trunk, clean up emotionally. Before you lead, des- decide on your team. Before you join, before you decide to love. Before you place your love order. Before you commit research. Before you commit development. Chapter 10, before you get engaged, 20 final exam questions you must ask. I'd buy it just for that if I was about to get married. But before you marry, before you decide to take a risk, uh, before you buy a house, before you have kids, before you divorce, see the order of these things, Uh, before you settle for less, before you fight, before you take flight, before you gamble, and the conclusion, now you've done it. But then the main book from which the series is titled, Divine Direction, this is uh, Craig Grishel's book, New York Times bestseller, and uh, Seven Decisions That Will Change Your Life. Um, If you buy the book, I don't know that uh, Scott put on Facebook a link on how to buy the book. If if you buy the book, I'm not going to preach the book to you because you can read the book. But based on the book, I'm going to bring you uh, a series of messages, hopefully that will will help you by far. The number one question I've been asked in my years of ministry is what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And sometimes people will come to me as though I'm a fortune teller or a crystal ball reader, or I have one of those magic eight balls. Have you ever had one of those? Like he did in the video that actually works. Um, Christians ask me all the time, should I read my horoscope? My answer is no, um, because your horoscope is based on something that someone wrote. And do you want that to guide your life? Um, It's better to guide your life by godly principles than something you find in a newspaper. Just thought I would tell you that. Um, God is greater than tea leaves. God is greater than, (laughs) right, than tarot cards or somebody who's going to scam you out of your money. you know, not too long ago, we had a psychic reader, life coach right here in Lompoc who got arrested for scamming people out of money. That was that building that had the Buddha in front of it. <clears throat> the Buddha got stolen um, <laughs> when they got arrested. And I don't believe in stealing, but I did laugh for about five minutes. And one of our wonderful Lompoc police officers said, Pastor B, because I'm their chaplain, Pastor B, if that lady's so psychic, how come she didn't know she was going to get arrested? (laughs) See, you're laughing too. And I don't mean to poke fun because my chances are she's probably somebody's cousin here. And, and, you know, so don't, don't email me. But who can really answer that question? What do you think God wants me to do? But I'd rather talk about who than do. We're going to, we're going to say that in a second. Who is more important than do? So let's say it. Who is more important than do? 
And why is more important than what? Let's say it. Why is more important than what? So who is more important than do? And why is more important than, than what? And um, memorize those. Because you're going to need them in the series, but you're also going to need them for life. Because what does God want me to do? Who is more important than the do? And why is more important than the what? Because some of you like lists. I mean, you just, you come here looking for, give me eight things that will help me live a successful life. I'm going to give you a list that comes out of T.D. Jake's book. And then we're going to go after the, the, who is more important than do and, and, and why is more important than what. Um, Napoleon Bonaparte, maybe not a good decision maker. What do you think? Uh, you history buffs. He said, nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. Uh, in T.D. Jake's book, he uses this, this phrase about decision-making, and he says this, just pull the trigger. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Just, just pull the trigger. And so using that metaphor of a trigger, he says, how about asking questions first? Um, again, the metaphor of just pull the trigger. What gun are I, are, am I using? Are you using? Or am I using? Um, how was the weapon assembled? But perhaps the most important question of all when someone says just pull the trigger is what is the target at which I am shooting? What, what am I going for here? What, what's, what's, what's the goal for this? And even though this is a simple-minded metaphor, pulling the trigger can just take a couple of seconds figuratively and, and literally, but selecting the weapon, understanding how to operate and making sure it's aimed precisely at the right direction are equally important as pulling the trigger and yet often overlooked. So here, here's um, TD's five keys, and it's so great that I added a sixth, okay? Because um, in this series, you're going to hear some stuff from books, but you're going to get a lot of my stuff as well as Bible stuff. So the first one I added this one is reflect. When we're making decisions, we need to spend time in prayer and Bible journaling and reflect on the present story of your life. Are you satisfied with the present story of your life? Reflect on it. Ask God through your Bible journaling, your, your Bible reading devotions every day about the story, about your future, and spend time in prayer. The second thing he says is research. Research. It's the gathering of information and collecting data. He said very few people actually do the proper research before they make a decision. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So if you do your research, you're going to realize that the person who keeps texting you from an 800 number telling you that you won a prize is actually from Zimbabwe and they want you to send money there through wire, to, you know, come on. And, and can, I, can I tell you this? People are still scammed every single day in America by stories that are too good to be true. And uh, if you're not sure if it's a scamming story or not, call your local law enforcement and ask them, is this a good thing or not? Um, I can tell you this story. It's, it is a true story. Um, there was a woman recently who... Uh, took a large amount of cash out of her bank and put it in a box and tried to mail it somewhere. Um, and the guy at the box shop, some of you know box shop Bob, he always Google Earths the location. Now, I don't know if this is a great service. I think it's a phenomenal service. He, he actually, when he, especially if it's anywhere other than like US, he'll actually like, like Google Earth the thing. 
and found out that this was some little apartment building. This lady thought she was sending money to some big corporation with this conglomerate, you know, multi-thousand square foot building. It turned out to be some little, little apartment building on a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere in some other foreign country. And he called law enforcement and they came and helped this lady. Oh, by the way, there was $70,000 cash in the box. So people are still being able to be scammed and people are still being able to make decisions without proper research. By the way, road work is the next one. He talks about doing the hard work to remove obstacles and clearing the pathway. Rewards that we need to, before we make a decision, list the choices and imagine the consequences. I always say this to people. You're making decisions now in your life. It's like driving a car and you're on a lane and you're going northbound on this road. If you keep going this way, where will you eventually end? Because most people just think they can, they can mark time right here. Remember what we've always said, that sin will always take you farther than you want to go. It will always cost you more than you want to pay. And will always keep you longer than you want to stay. Uh, I, I've talked to people that have major addiction problems with drugs. And they all started out believing they could just control it. I'll only use on Fridays. And then Fridays became Saturdays and then became Sundays. And then I got to go to work on Monday and then it became Tuesday night. And then, well, it's hump day, you know, Wednesday, I got to get through. And they started using, and then they started using all the time. So once something grabs a hold of you, you have to think about the rewards and imagine the consequences. Uh, revelation, narrowing your options and making your selection, looking at your choices and narrowing your options. And then rear view, he says in his book, uh, T.D. Jake says, very few people ever do a proper job at looking backwards and adjusting necessary the course going forward to stay on course. They look back and see where they veered off track. Back uh, in now in, in Craig Rochelle's book, he says, the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Is that true? See, you and I are a result today of decisions we've made over the past year. Over the past five years, the past, depending how old you are, the past 10 years. Who will you become? And what will you be able to accomplish in the future? For the most part, it will be the direct result of the decisions that you make today, this week, and next month. Now, how about this one? If you're a note taker, write this down. Never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Is that good or what? Well, I met him. He seemed sweet. We went to Vegas and got married the next day. Huh? Have you ever tried to talk sense into somebody who's emotionally connected already? I mean, it's hard. They think you're nuts. I told a guy once, what are you thinking? He goes, man, she is the hottest thing I've ever seen. He goes, we fell in love. I mean, it was like love at first sight. Really? You know, psychologists believe that doesn't exist, but we put ourselves there. So I said to him, I said, well, tell me a little bit more about the story. Oh man, uh, you know, we knew each other 40 minutes and we were making out like 16 year old kids. I go, really? Yeah. Oh man, it's great. She kisses like nobody I've ever kissed. I go, do you even know, three weeks, do you even know her middle name? Well, why do I need to know that? Do you know her parents? Don't, no, I don't know anything about them. You know how many past guys she's been with? Oh, it, no, I'm, I'm him. 
This, listen, when emotions and infatuation get in the way, how many people, listen, can I tell you about pastors for a minute and then we'll get back to the, the message? Don't hold this against my time, will you? Uh, do you know how many pastors resign on Monday morning after a bad Sunday, after a low attendance day or a sermon that bombs or a video that doesn't work and just go, I'm out of here. And they usually write the resignation letter and then they file it and never send it. You know, I think I've quit 40 times, you know, <laughs> but I never told anybody. Come on. Have any of you ever, without responding in your current job or career or, or in, in your education, in your school said, I'm quitting, I, I'm done. And then, and then you change your mind because something emotional happened. The boss talked to you and got angry at you. Oh, I'm quitting. I'm out of here. You know, as though it matters. You're going to make some kind of scene, you know, and, and your, your, your departure is going to change the culture of that organization. No. It's like, it's the old finger in a bucket, right? Your finger's in the bucket. You take your finger out of the bucket. The water goes back to, and they forgot you were ever there. I'll show them. I'll quit, right? How many times have we done that? Um, don't respond, but does anybody in here have any big regrets? You know, we have a, we, we have a whole generation of young people coming up who have decisions and choices to make that we never had to make. People like me, I'm a baby boomer, right? I'm going to be a couple weeks from now, I'm going to be like 46, I think, and uh, yeah, and, and we have these decisions back, listen, back, back when we graduated high school, most of us, if our family had money or we got a scholarship, we went to college. If we didn't, we went to work or we went in the military, military. That was it. Now we have student loans we never had. We have, you know, state and federal aid we never had. And then we have something called super senior year. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, I'm a super senior. I go, what does that mean? Well, I graduated high school, and because kindergarten's one year and 12 years, I've been in school 13 years. I'm tired. Super senior year is I go travel for a year. No, it's, it, I was reading about it the other day in a magazine. It, it's, it's not something I'm making up. Super senior year is I'm out of here. I'm going to take some time, go to Europe. I'm going to go sit on a beach uh, in Hawaii and surf and eat uh, crab that I catch in my kayak, and, th and then my parents are going to pay for it, and that's it. Super senior year. Uh, my, my, now we have education online. You can actually go to school and not leave your bedroom. We didn't have that option. And we have trade schools galore, and so young people have tons of options today. And I think, especially as parents and grandparents and, and guardians, we need to help guide them in the decisions they make. Uh, one young man told me he's going to be discovered on YouTube and make millions of dollars, and he's going to buy a Bentley, and everything's going to be fine. Hey, he's 17. Is he in for a rude awakening? No, his, par no, his parents are, because he lives in their house. And they bought him all his, his technology to be on YouTube. Uh, you, ever, you ever been on Netflix? Anybody do Netflix here? Eight o'clock service. They don't even know what Netflix is when I talk... <laughs> And I said, have you ever spent 45 minutes on Netflix looking for something to watch and you became so frustrated that you ended up watching nothing? Come on, come on. These are decisions that we make, all of us make. Uh, Maria Robinson, 
powerful statement. Nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. I believe that, especially in Jesus Christ. He gives us a second, third, 49th chance, you know? He does. In the beginning, once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. A very, very dark and stormy <laughs> night, right? See, each of us have a unique beginning. Your beginning's not like mine. My beginning's not like yours, nor like, like your neighbor's. And most of us are too busy living life to ever stop and try to change our story. We cannot change the beginning, but we can change the ending. We can have a different story to tell someday than the one we're telling now. And that's why uh, I added that thing about reflection. Powerful reflection gives a clear understanding about which things in your life you can change and which things you cannot change. So Craig Rochelle says this, and then I've got to get in the Bible because it's like I've gone too long with no Bible yet. Um, Craig says, it's not too late to change the story that you will tell one day. You can start something new, no matter how desperate, uncertain, or afraid, or stuck you may feel right now, your story is not over. And I love that. There are stories throughout this church of people who've been transformed by the truth of Jesus, the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. There are people who were once uh, addicted, who are now clean and sober. I so celebrate those decisions. And uh, we've seen God do great things. But I need to tell you something, that all great things and great stories start with a small decision. Zechariah 4.10, it's a great verse. It says, let's read it, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. My friend Wayne Cordero talks about physical fitness. And you know what he says? He says, if you're going to start physical fitness, start tomorrow morning, set the alarm and actually get up. If you set it for 505, 445, whatever you set it, actually get up, sit at the edge of your bed, Stretch like this, one, two, three, four. Put on your shoes, like your running shoes, your walking shoes. Put them on, take them off, and go back to bed. <laughs> the next day, he says, see, that's a small beginning. You actually woke up, you stretched, you put on your shoes. The next day, he says, put them on and walk around the front of your house like three times. Come back inside, take your shoes off, Go back to bed. The third day, walk farther. The fourth day, walk farther. And, and, and you start small. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. We do this big post-game party every year. This will be our 24th year uh, when Lompoc plays Cabrillo, the beginning of November. It's a big party. Uh, there was 1,439 high school kids. Most of you were asleep, but we were there. And we invite you to come be with us this year. If you've never seen it, you have to come at least experience what it's like to have all these wonderful students from the Lompoc Valley come and hang out together. And uh, we got some new attractions and it's great. Why am I even saying that? Because the first time we started it, there was uh, 71 people came. And it was, it was, it was small. And I, I got to tell you, I was negative about it beginning of, of of it, I was negative. It happened right out here. And I said, it's going to be a big party. All these kids will come after Lompoc plays Cabrillo. 
We thought 500 would come, 71 came. How would you have felt? We got food for 500. Hey, praise the Lord. Let's, oh God, 500 will go. 71. Well, that was including workers too. <laughs> 71. So it was about, you know, 48 kids. You know? And then I was reminded of this verse and it challenged me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begun. And, uh, and then I felt challenged. I, I'm confessing. I was, I was down. I go, this, you know. And, and then somebody said, uh, as we're putting the stuff away, are we going to do this next year? My heart was saying, no. no. But, but then I said, let's not despise the day of small beginnings. So we went from 71 men, women, and kids to 1,439 high school just students. Um, and that's not too bad because there's about 3,200, 3,300 students, uh, high school students. So, so we, you know, we have almost 50% of them come to our party. So don't despise a day. Of, don't despise, set the alarm, put the shoes on. You got it? Just make a step forward. You can't change your past, but you can change your future. Now, today I want to build a foundation for decision making, and I'm going to try to go as fast as I can because I know some of your tummies are growling already. Number one, God cares about who before do. Let's say it. God cares about who before do. What does God want me to do? <laughs> well, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, that's where we're going to be for a little bit. 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that what? Pleases God. Finally, brothers and sisters, live in such a way that you make a lot of money and have a big house, or live in such a way that you become an accountant, that you become a drill press operator, that you become a heavy equipment operator, you become a scuba diver, because after all, they can make a lot of gear. Scuba diver, underwater welder, you can make a lot. I don't know. He says, live in such a way that pleases God. He's not talking about vocation. You know when Jesus talked about vocation, which is rarely, he told people, leave your job and follow me. That's what he said. Be committed to me first. He was talking more about who than do. Be a follower of me, a fully devoted follower of me. You live this way already, Paul tells the church of Thessalonica. You are incredibly uh, uh, ones that please God. But I encourage you to do this even more and more and more. He's talking about more in quantity and more in quality. I want you to do this for longer periods of time. And I want you to ratchet up being ones who please God. For remember that we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. Are you kidding me? If God is talking about holiness, don't we have a lot of work to do? He wants us to be holy. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. The word holy is the word agios in the Greek. And it literally means to be set apart or to be dedicated to exclusive use. It's like a surgeon who has a scalpel. I mean, this thing is precision. It is sharp. It is sterile. It's ready to save someone's life. And the surgeon would be a fool to use it to open up his can of tuna fish. It's exclusively for making incision. And this is the word that he's using here, that we would be people that would be agios, that would be exclusively for God's use. In other words, Lord, you have your will and your way in and through my life. I want to follow you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
verse uh, 8, 1 Thessalonians 4, therefore anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God. In other words, he says, I'm declaring that you be holy. But if you're not holy, you're not rejecting me who's writing this to you. You're rejecting the word of God. You're rejecting God's way. God has called you to be set apart. You, but you're not rejecting me. Don't worry about rejecting me, Paul says. But you're going to reject God who gives his Holy Spirit. Notice his first name is Holy, by the way. Holy Spirit to you. He's saying be, be conformed, not by the world. Remember in Romans 12, but but by the renewing of your mind. Be like Christ. Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what's he talking about? He's talking about who more than do. Um, It's not in your notes or on the screen, but Dallas Willard said this. It is possible to become so obsessed with doing what Jesus says that we fail to become the kind of person Jesus wants. It's possible to study the words of Jesus. Go go and care for the world. Go and, and, and redeem people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and be involved in, in social justice. Make sure that, that there's, there's fresh water in Darfur and make sure that people have food to eat and, and make sure, I mean, this is Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. But it is possible to be consumed with what he told us to do and not become the people he wants us to be. Man, when I heard that, I thought, wow, Lord, thanks for conviction. I'm going to give you a challenge. The challenge comes out of Psalm 39, and this is your homework assignment. It'll be better if you do this. Go, Go, just write this down in your notes. Go to Psalm 39 this week sometime, and pray anything you read in Psalm 39 that's prayable. Like if he says, search me, that's a prayable prayer. Lord, would you search me? Would you, would you look inside of my heart? See, we often ask in our notes, what does God want me to do in the future? The better question is, who does God want me to become in the present? I talked with a young person recently who's very concerned about his future. And while he's pursuing academia, he's wondering about the job market in his particular field. And we spent a lot of time talking about who he could network with and how he could do his resume. And, and we would, you know, man, I was tired just. And I asked him one question. How are you growing in character? I mean, you're growing in academia. God bless you. That's great pursuit. And, and, and you're growing and putting together a portfolio and showing people how, how you're worth six figures in entry-level position. Hope it works for him. But here was a, when I said, how are you growing in character? Where are you having personal struggles? Where are you having spiritual battles in your life? And, and, and here's what I found out. He'd put all that on the back burner while he's focusing on who he wants to be come in vocation rather than who he wants to become in his spirit, in his person. If you're dating today, date a person who's following Jesus and serving him with integrity while you date the person with integrity serving Jesus. Sorry. 
If you're married, be a person serving Jesus in your marriage with integrity and character. Boy, isn't that a challenge? See, I'm, I'm not Debbie's husband first. I am God's son first. I am redeemed by Jesus first. I'm not the pastor of this church third or the father of my kids or the grandpa of my grandkids, the best grandchildren in the world. They are. Beautiful, bright, intelligent. They got it from their grandmother. (laughs) No, listen, you are first and foremost a child of God who needs to have constant relationship with him, constant connection with his word, constant connection with the Holy Spirit. Before you think about the do in the future, think about the who in the present. And instead of saying, what do you want me to do in the future, Jesus? An honest question would be, where do I need to change who I am in my being? You remember the old phrase, being versus doing. Who am I in my being, Lord? God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. God's more concerned about our character than our vocation. So we need to make sure that we are people who are concerned with the who before we're concerned with the do. And the second one is God cares about why before what? Why? Because God examines our heart. Have you ever read this verse in Proverbs 16:2? Let's look at it. Uh, ready? Let's read it. Go. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Does anybody want to say ouch? Huh? You want to say ouch? I do. All my motives are pure. Did I pay that compliment to somebody because I want them to like me back? Or was the compliment sincere? That's that's a big question. Did I shake that person's hand because I I want to show them respect? Or did I shake that person's hand because they might be my network to my next position? Hmm. Well, pastor, you haven't obviously read the art of networking. I know all about that stuff. And nothing wrong with positioning yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But you know what some leaders tell me after a while? They get tired of the syrupy sauce that people bring to them when all they really want is just some kind of recommendation or accolade. So this little boy told me he wanted to play in the major league, major league baseball. He said, you know what? Um, He's on my grandson's baseball team. They're 11, by the way. Now, this kid from Rigetti, Matt Sauer, the Yankees just drafted him right out of Rigetti High School, kind of like they did our our buddy Danny Duffy from Cabrillo for the major league. Man, that's cool. I mean, but that is is so rare. It is less than one-half of 1% of all high school baseball players in America ever get drafted in a major one-half of 1%. So this kid asked me, uh, do you know anything about the major league? Oh, yeah, I know a lot, man. <laughs> you, want, you want me to tell you how to get to major league? Let me tell you. Come early to practice every day. 
All your friends are drinking Gatorade at the end of practice. You go out there and help the coach pick up the bases and put the balls away. Good? So far good? Uh, do what your parents say. Don't ever get arrested. I mean, don't, don't ever throw a rock through a window. Don't ever steal anything. Don't ever cheat in school. Don't ever do anything where somebody in a black and white car has to come and take you away. Never. Oh, okay, okay. Do what your parents say, right? Practice, practice, practice. When your friends are in their room playing video games, go out and run. Huh? When your friends are, are sleeping, go out and hit wiffle balls. Come on. Practice, practice, practice. Get your grades up as high as you can. You with me? Am I right? Any, anything I said wrong so far? Right? right? Practice, practice, practice. And respect the coach. Oh, by the way, pray for your teammates. Encourage your teammates, whether they do well or poor. Encourage them. Pay attention to the game while you're in the dugout. Don't be goofing around. They're 11-year-old kids, right? Don't be goofing. Be focused on, on the play. Learn from the mistakes of others and from the successes of others. And practice, practice, practice. Never cheat in school, okay? Say your prayers every morning, every night. Read the Bible. Go to church. Go to Sunday school, right? Go to youth group. Practice, practice. Okay, you, you got it, okay? You know what I was telling them to do? You, you want to go for this grandiose dream of major league? Pretend like you're in the major league today. High school kid comes to me and says, I got a call in my life, pastor. What are you going to do? I'm going to be a pastor. My question to him was, who are you pastoring today? He goes, I have to go get a degree first. I said, no, you don't. Find three friends of yours, three male friends. Do your devotion together. Teach them Bible. Pray for them. Lead them through their struggles of life. And give them your cell phone number so at 2 a.m. they can call you. You can start getting practice of what it's like to be a pastor. Huh? And have them make up tragedies and crises so you can get the feel of what it's like. Start pastoring people today. A little girl in middle school one time came to me and said, God told me I'm going to be a teacher. I said, who are you teaching now? I put her in touch with Melissa Paz, and we got her teaching in Sunday school. Her parents are going to go spend thousands of dollars on education to be a teacher. What if she hates kids? She doesn't know yet. Come on, she's in middle school. What does she really know? Come on. So we got her in touch with kids. She found out she loved kids. She loved education. But we let her teach here so she could learn about teaching later. Why? Because God cares about the why before the what, the motives behind it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand their own heart? I'll tell you who can't understand their own heart. Somebody who's let their emotions get in front of wisdom and decisions. There are two reasons why we do something. Isn't this great? There's the reason we tell everybody else, and then there's the real reason. <laughs> so are our motives Christ-centered or me-centered? Are our motives other-centered or me-centered? It's impossible to get to the right place when you have the wrong motives. It's impossible to end up in the right destination when you start with the wrong why. So the why really matters to God. Galatians 1.10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What is he saying? He's not saying you, should be, you shouldn't care what anybody thinks. No, you should be driven by the fact that you're a servant of Christ first. In other words, who matters the most? 
At the end of the day, who matters the most? It's Jesus. Did I serve the Lord well today? Did I serve the Lord the most today? Did he, did he get my best today? Um, by the way, I, I think if you influence kids or you're a teacher, even in public school system, I think you can still teach why before what and who before do. I think that's a lesson that anybody could learn. And you're not going to get fired because it's, you, know, you, you use God's name. You don't even need to use God's name in this because I know you can't in some public settings. We have a lot of educators in our church and some that watch these messages online. And so why before what and, and who before do? Colossians 3.17 though says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do. Now, this is implying that you're in the Lord Jesus, that you already have a relationship with Him. So in other words, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it in His name. Um, by the way, when you see those kind of phrases, in His name, you could also put in there, in there for His sake. Do Jesus things. Do things like Jesus, whatever you, you find yourself doing for Him. So somebody says, well, but pastor, this sermon doesn't really apply to me, because I'm just a stay-at-home mom, and, and I look to my neck in laundry and poop, and uh, you know, <laughs> then you wash that laundry, and you clean that poop for the glory of Jesus. Mm? That the cleanest laundry and the most poop-free baby butt cracks ever. <laughs> Why? Because you're discipling those kids. Because God gave you those kids as a gift. Huh? You might say, I'm just a student, but I've got aspirations one day. I'm going to do something big. Listen, be faithful in the small things that you're doing. Be faithful in the small things long before you expect something big to happen. It's a kid in the little league. One day I'm going to be a missionary overseas. Oh, God's going to send me to foreign lands to be a missionary. There's somebody dying and going to hell across the street from you. Go be a missionary over there. Well, it's not far enough away. Just drive around for about an hour and then go to their house. And you'll say, look how far, how far it is. Somebody said to me, one day I'm going to be a commander. And I'm going to have four stars up here. Hey, who are you? Who are you influencing well today? Right? I, I, a brand new cop that I got to talk with, and I, and I talked to him about leadership, and he's looking at me like, he's got no, he's a slick sleeve. He has no marks. He's not a corporal. He's not, a, he's not an agent. He's not a sergeant. He, he, he's like green behind the ears, you know? <laughs> kind of looks like Barney Fife out there, you know? He's new. I said, can I offer you a word of advice? Yeah. I said, you, you, you be a leader. Well, well, sir, what do you mean a leader? I said, you be a leader. You influence people well. You, you speak to people like you're the chief of police when you're out there in the street. You show that kind of respect to people. You act like you're the sheriff of the county when you're out there, man. You, 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 you know? You, you represent, oh, by the way, by the way, I said, I know you've only been here 31 days. I've lived here 31 years. The name of our city is on the side of your vehicle. Just remember that when you drive around our town. <gasps> yeah. Just remember, you are a liability, man. You, you, could, you could be in deep trouble, you know, if you do the wrong thing. Just think about it. Am I right or what? Sure, absolutely. 
And by the way, in our city, the side of the car says, where service is tradition. I said, so my friend, you're a leader and you're a servant leader. That's who you are. Thank you very much. So we rode around the city a little bit together. And I said, oh, there's somebody you get to talk to now. Yeah. And he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. I said, no, talk to them like you're the chief. <laughs> and he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, if you want to become, if you want to become the, the, the greatest parent, act like you are. And just start doing things the right way. Put on your shoes tomorrow when the alarm goes off and be ready to go work out. Even if you go back to bed, just do it the next day. Let me just uh, share this with you. When you serve Jesus right here and with the right motives, it helps you to become and helps you to get to the right there. I want to get right there. No, no, no. You serve Jesus right here with the right motives. It helps you to get to the, to, to the right there. But Pastor B, you don't know the mess that I'm in. I have a mess. Well, start making it unmessy. Don't onboard any more messy stuff. Huh? I got enough mess in my cart right now. Then stop putting more mess in it. Just let it go. Do you know how Jesus got through everything? I was really looking at this question. How did he get through being ridiculed? How did he get through being made fun of? How did he, how did he get through being blasphemed? How did he get through the cross? Matthew 20 verse 28 says, For even the Son of Man came, read this, not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came not to be served. See, this is the why before the what. Jesus knew why he was coming to earth. So nobody could, could derail him from his assignment, from his what. Because he, first of all, he had, the, he had the who wired, don't you think he did? He knew who he was. And then he had the why wired. Who before do, why before what. And Jesus was able to go through it all because he understood. When you get the who right, you do more. And when you get the why right, the what has power. When you are faithful with what's right here, you'll end up at the right there. I don't care what field you're in. That, that'll preach. You can use that at your next leaders meeting or group meeting. Hey, when we're faithful right here with what we have, then, then we'll be okay when we get over there. When we get to the next step, when we get promoted or when, when we graduate or whatever it is you're, you're going to do in life. Or if you're retired, you go, oh, what's, what's there for me? God has more for you. He's not done with you. You can still add to your story. And if you're becoming the right who, then God will help you choose the right do. And if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. I just did five chapters for you of the book. See? Let me go again. Because some of you go, oh, she went too fast. When you get the who right, you do more. And when you get the why right, the what has power. When you're faithful with what's right here, you'll end up at the right there. And if you're becoming the right who, then God will help you choose the right do. That sounds like Dr. Seuss, right? <laughs> and if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. That's how it works. So there's our basis that who is more important than, than do. 
and that why is more important than what. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Me too.